0: Father, we uh, come before you and we know that you are the author of wisdom and you possess all knowledge. And Father, we are here, we are limited. We don't even come close to knowing what you know or even feeling what you feel. But I, I would pray that as we witness what is taking place in the world here, that you would, as was previously mentioned, cause us to pray for those who are in duress for those who are being persecuted for those who are in war we ask that you would give us wisdom in our prayers we also ask lord that you would help us to reconcile this with scripture and get some type of hope and direction Uh, and again wisdom from your word that we might understand why these things take place in the world and how we should respond So, Father, we pray that you would do this for us this morning by the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it was this week that we witnessed the invasion of Ukraine. Let me get to the message here. And Mr. Putin decided to build up, and I've heard estimates, anywhere from 130,000 to 170,000 troops along the Ukrainian border. And then he wants to, obviously, take over not just the eastern portion of the Ukraine, but he wants to move all the way into Kiev. He already has uh, Chechen rebels in there. He has hired them like contractors to get in there and prepare the way for uh, all out assault in Kiev, uh, we know that he considers Ukraine part of the Soviet Union, the ussr and he wants to build that back up and It was in one thousand nine hundred and ninety one that gorbachev uh, he fell, and Ukraine became an independent country and when he came in to attack the Ukraine, it really is an attack on the free world because they are a free independent state with their own governing system over there. They're not reliant on the Russians. But in eastern Ukraine there is a large Russian population. And it was theorized before he went in that he would cause some false flag operations. And what that would be is he comes in and actually launches some missiles and makes some attacks of his own against his own Russian people that are in eastern Ukraine then he can declare that separatists or uh, the people of Ukraine have started firing on the Russian separatists in eastern Ukraine. Therefore, that gives him justification to go in and help the Russian-speaking people in Ukraine. And he just started making an incursion into the country. Uh, most of the media is not telling you he has surrounded the country on three sides. He has ships on all three sides uh, of the country. And same thing with uh, Belarus. Belarus right now, it's to the north of Ukraine. It has helicopters just waiting, probably dozens of them. I saw a picture in this field where they're just waiting there. And anybody that would come in and oppose him or try to restrict his movements in Ukraine, he has threatened them with nuclear bombs. He makes no mistake about it. Uh, And I'll get a little bit more into that. And, of course, we know that there is a history of Putin wanting to get in there. And he took Crimea under Obama, and Obama did nothing about it. And for four years, Russia and China and even North Korea, they calmed down. That was the years that Trump was in office. He basically told uh, Kim Jong-un that, hey, if you start launching these missiles, we're going to flatten your country. We're going to turn it into glass. And Putin came to Trump and wanted to uh, get permission to go into Ukraine. He goes, no, can't do it. And he stopped the pipeline that Trump wanted, or excuse me, that Putin wanted to construct to get into Europe and specifically into Germany. And there's other routes that some other pipelines take. And Trump stopped that. And the reason he stopped that is because it would have meant millions and millions of dollars, actually billions of dollars, for the Russians. And when Biden came in, he allowed that pipeline to go through. He stopped the pipeline here. He stopped domestic oil production. And now we are buying oil from Russia. We are enriching them. And China is buying oil from Russia. And all of this has taken place. You have to wonder, what's going on with this? And why aren't we putting in sanctions? Russia... Like I said, it's selling to the USA and China 500,000 barrels of oil per day from Russia. That's $50 million a day is what we are paying Russia. We are financing the actual battle, the incursion into Ukraine. Now, with all of this, you might ask, well, what has the world done to stop this invasion. And I'm going to get into why I'm even addressing this. Is it biblical? Is it not biblical? I'm going to get to that, but I, I want to set the table, so to speak. And so what has the world done to stop the invasion? Well, here's what Italy did. they, went together with uh, some partners in the EU and said that they wanted to impose some sanctions, but they wanted to keep open the luxury items to be sold back to Russia. So the rich, the billionaires, the oligarchs, they could get their fine Gucci shoes and the purses that are over there. So they didn't want that cut off because it would affect the Italian market in luxury items. And so they said, no, we don't want to go along with that. And I already told you about the oil that we are still buying. And then there's the SWIFT banking system. And that is a banking system where over 11,000 financial institutions in more than 200 countries around the world, they send their money through this international system. And some people wanted to just cut them off. You cut off all the financing from that. But Germany, Hungary, and uh, they, Italy, they all disagreed. They said, no, we don't, want to, we don't want to do that. Kind of like we don't want to make Putin mad. Where he's already going into this country. And there's some changes in this, but also Germany, what did they offer? They offered five thousand helmets. They were gonna give helmets to the Ukrainians. Sweden and Finland, uh Putin I don't know if you saw the news, but Putin threatened Sweden and Finland if they thought they were going to join NATO. He says, If you do, there are going to be problems. Uh, it basically threatened them with nuclear war. Now, Finland is right on the border of Russia. If you looked at a map, you have Finland that is at the upper northern regions of the west coast or the west side of Russia. You go down, you have Estonia, you have Belarus, you have Latvia, which is above Belarus, and you keep on going down. And if you go straight down, you end up in Israel. But Crimea is also below that. And so you have all these countries, and he wants to make a push and take all of those countries back underneath, this is Putin, back underneath the former USSR. But some of those countries, not Belarus, but Latvia and uh, Estonia, they're part of NATO as well. Now, NATO was set up, it's a North American Treaty Organization, was set up by the Europeans to counteract anything that Russia would do. And there are reasons that Putin does not want uh, the Ukrainians to get involved in Russia. But what else, I'm going to digress here, what else did the U.S. and other companies and other countries do? Well, the administration really did not impose any sanctions because they wanted to, uh, quote, according to Jen Psaki, they they wanted to use that as a trump card so to speak that they could put pressure on putin if they held up the threat of these sanctions but once you impose the sanctions there is no longer a threat and so they decided we're not going to impose the sanctions and he waited and you know the Zelensky, he said what are you going to do wait till people are dead in the streets before you impose these sanctions and they're to defend what they were doing as far as international Diplomacy, and it was just indefensible. Uh, his actual quote: "It says so. You're going. You're waiting for people to die before implementing them. In that case, this was uh, delivered by Jackie Heinrich, which was uh, questioning Gen uh, Saki in a press conference." And then there is YouTube. YouTube got involved in it. They stopped monetizing anybody who was in Russia if they had a website. So that's their part. And then you have the Chechen contractors. Of course, Chechen uh, Muslim contractors, they don't have a problem in killing Christians. Now, 73% of the country of Ukraine is Eastern Orthodox. They are Christian. And the Muslims don't have a problem killing Christians. If you go to the Koran, it sells it. Tells the Muslims to kill Christians. You know, get rid of them if they do not submit and convert. And so they don't have a problem with that. And so he's hiring these contractors so it doesn't look bad in Russia if some of the Russian people get killed. It's these contractors, and there'll be no-name people, and they may make it back to Chechnya. They may make it back, but he can have a, a good look, so to speak, out there. And then China, on Monday, they launched a massive military exercise to the west and east of Taiwan. Now, what's going on with this? It's like Putin's coming into Ukraine. China says, okay, we're going to have this massive military exercise right around Taiwan. What does China want? China wants Taiwan. They want to control the, the China Sea there. They're building islands out there and they're moving forward. Of course, this didn't happen for four years when Trump was in office, but now it's all building up. And of course, we have little, quote, rocket man. You know, he's, he wants to move south into, South Korea, and we'll see if he ends up doing that. And would the United States oppose that? Would they say, because we are both for South Korea and for Taiwan, we have treaties with them and we'll go in and defend what's uh, happening there if China tries to get in or if North Korea tries to move to the south and we have troops? in South Korea. And, and then there was John Kerry, who is more concerned about the climate change rather than moving into Ukraine. He thought Putin might get sidetracked off the climate change issue and it might disappear from the headlines. That's what the world is doing when it comes to helping out the Ukraine. Now, there are diplomatic channels that you have to go through. You can't just hop into a battle, and I understand all of that. But it seems as if the assistance that is being given to Ukraine is a little bit lacking. And I would say, really, it's a lot lacking. Now, there have been private individuals who have probably contributed more to the defense of Ukraine than the governments around the world. I'm going to give you some examples of this. You know, the guy named Elon Musk, who has sent up all these satellites, he just launched another 50 of them, I think, up in the air. Uh, They made a request. It was Ukraine's vice uh, prime minister, he asked Elon Musk to deliver Starlink internet to the Ukraine because, of course, the internet over the hardwire uh, capability system that was there went down. They they knocked that down. So Elon Musk took him 10 hours. He got it up. Had, they have 5G. They're linked to the satellites. They can still communicate. And all kinds of videos and updates are coming out of Ukraine. I can't tell you how many I have seen, but that's what Elon Musk did. And then some of the sites... That I go to to just kind of keep up on the millennials and where they are. There are just dozens of little postings of how to make Molotov cocktails and bombs. And the way that they'll head it is please never make a Molotov cocktail that you put fuel in. And it gives all the description of how to do it. And it says, please never do that. And don't light them and throw them at tanks. And we don't want you to throw them at the tanks where the intake is and where the engines are. Please do not do that. That's how they're they're uh, setting it up. And I, I saw like I said, dozens of those postings in there, a couple of different ways to make Molotov cocktails. And then I saw uh, at least one where it says how to make a, a bomb out of a tin can. And it gives instructions how to do that, how to set it up and have a can inside of a can. And it, it was just, but never do that. Never set that up. And it shows a picture of it and it gives instructions and everything else. And you're just going, oh, dude, this is good. They're helping the people in Ukraine arm themselves and they can do it with what they have, even in their kitchen counter underneath their sink or wherever it might be. And so those two things are out there and people are doing that. They're they're posting it not only from Ukraine, but from other countries as well. And then there's the anonymous organization. They sent signals out to campaign against Russia. And these guys are a group of hackers. They're a loosely knit group. And they're targeting government agencies. I actually saw the radio frequencies, a list of radio frequencies that the Russian military uses that you can tap into, gave the codes and everything else, to get in there. Uh, And that was posted on one of these sites. They also hacked into Russian TV where they started broadcasting information of what is really going on inside of Ukraine. I saw one of the higher-ups in the Russian military who was on there saying, we're not targeting civilian... Um, uh, targets were simply going after military sites and once that played in the video then they showed uh, i don't know if you saw this the high-rise building that was targeted by a, a missile that came from a plane and then i saw another plane flying over a residential area a little village and firing missiles down into the village i saw a tank that Uh, approached the car and the car was just driving down the road and the tank turned and ran over the car with somebody in it just sat there for a moment and they had probably 20 different instances of the russians and the chechens who were there helping them the contractors going in and just attacking the civilians and so it, it counteracted and they're playing that stuff in Russia so that Russia sees it and of course in Russia there are all kinds of protests going on the Russian police are coming in and dragging people away I just saw a picture of the Brandenburg Gate there's 100,000 Germans that are out there pro- protesting what Russia has done everywhere from Japan up to Sweden and Finland and several of the European countries they're having tens of thousands of people show up and just protesting what's going on but if you watch MSNBC ABC, NBC, CBS, all those. You're never going to see that, CNN. And you have to know where to go to get that information. And then there's the guy, uh, Zelensky. You know, he's gave weapons and ammo, unlimited ammo, to any citizen that would come and receive it. Both men and women were lining up. I saw several women in uniforms, military uniforms, and they're carrying around their guns, and little videos that they post. They said, well, it's a wonderful day today, and I'm still alive, and it's still good. This one young woman, and she had this, uh, uh, I don't know if it's Kalishnikov or whatever it was, strapped over her shoulder. And, you know, this Zelensky guy, Vlodomir, I think is his name, Vladimir Zelensky, he's staying in country, and he will fight And the United States offered him passage, both him and his family, to get out of the country. And he said, I don't need a ride. I need ammunition, is what he said back to them. And the guy, he's the only person in a position of power that is showing real leadership in this whole thing he's standing there with the troops he's out there he has his flat gear on he's in a position to fire back if necessary and then there's the ghost of kev or key a ukrainian pilot who has knocked out of the sky six russian planes i don't know if you saw that as well <clears throat> and then there's multiple videos of Ukrainian uh, victories, helicopter shot down, I saw that one, dozens of tanks being destroyed, dozens of personnel characters being destroyed, the carriers, and then there's Russia claimed that they were not hitting civilian targets, and I can't tell you how many videos I saw of that, and then uh, the multiple videos of the Ukrainian soldiers standing as a group, and their making these videos to kind of pump up the people out there, like we're going after this. And, and it, it's kind of uh, inspiring to see that. And then Russia, did you see that they have 22 billionaires that have lost $39 billion since the invasion of Ukraine? Uh, Ukraine. <clears throat> there, there have been steps taken to devalue what they have. And you have these Russian oligarchs, and they've actually named them. There's a list of the names of these oligarchs that they have imposed sanctions on these these guys and what they do is they make money and they feed some back to putin putin is probably the richest man in the world because these billionaires they funnel money back to him and he allows them to stay in the country and make money well they're going after both putin and these oligarchs who were there and like i said they've lost almost 40 billion dollars since the incursion into ukraine and then poland great for uh, excellent for poland they're taking in any refugee that wants to come and they put a picture side by side one post that i saw the ukrainian refugees are women and children and the grandmothers and mothers they're all coming over uh, to Poland, and they're accepting them all. And then it showed the refugees that are coming out of the Middle East, all young men, military age, Muslim. And those are the ones coming out of the Middle East. And so there's a difference in the conflicts that are going on. And Romania is sending 3 uh, million euros worth of military aid and supplies. There are some bright spots here. And Germany kind of flipped around. Now, Germany. You know, they, they're responsible really for two world wars. And now they just decided they're going to up their military budget to 100 billion euros. And they have sent 500 Stinger missiles uh, that they target uh, aerial targets. They closed the airspace to Russian flights. They banned Russia banks from Swift or they voted to do so. They have sent anti-tank rocket launchers and increasing defense spending, like I said, to 100 billion euros. They're like stepping up to the plate. And all the comments underneath these posts are going, yeah, let's go Germany, you know, just pumping it up. And they have little um, depictions of the flag. It's in in a circle. And they're looking over at Russia like, you better not, you know, that, that type of thing. And you're just going wow, some people are actually coming together to do this. A couple of countries have stepped up and really mean it. But China is not one and the United States is not one. Now, the protests, I've talked about that. Now, with all of this, you have to ask yourself, why is this important and why is this being talked about in church? What does this have to do with Christians? What does this have to do with Bible study well there have been different conflicts throughout history and none of them have been as focused as this one as far as the Bible is concerned if you just take a moment and you look back in history before Israel was a nation they became a nation in May 14th 1948 And later in the 1967 war, they took over Jerusalem, and there's still some conflicts that are going on. And uh, later on, they also got the Golan Heights, which borders up against Syria, that is having a civil war there with Hussein, that's up towards the north. And you see all that. Before they became a nation, there were conflicts all over the world, and they really had nothing to do with the Bible. But the conflicts that Russia gets involved in or that Turkey gets involved in, or that Iran gets involved in. When Israel is a country, it has everything to do with Scripture. And it's those three major players. There are some minor players, but it's those three that you really want to keep a close watch on. Now, the beginning of really watching for what happens in the Middle East... It takes place in scripture in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39 and it's the battle of Russia, Iran and Turkey along with, like I said, some other minor players that will get together and they will come into Israel and they will attack Israel from the north. Now, there's some disagreement as to Gog and Magog and Rosh and which one is Russia, and it really doesn't matter to me. It just simply says in Scripture that it's the people to the north or the descendants of Japh- Japheth from uh, shem and Japheth from Noah. And that's where the descendants of Japheth went. They went to the north. So immediately to the north you have Russia, which is up there, and they will come down from the north. Ezekiel talks about how God is going to... Pull them down, put hooks in their mouth, so to speak, and pull them down and that they will take a spoil. I think it's Ezekiel 38 verse 12. It talks about they'll come down to take this spoil, which is there. Now, some t- people have said, well, it's not spoil, but it's oil that they will come down. You know, Israel is a wealthy, wealthy. Nation. I mean, the, the way that they have just grown over the years and the resources that they have and the technical um, components that are being made there and the energy that they have there, they offered to put a pipeline from Israel into Europe instead of having Putin take his pipeline of natural gas and go into Europe. But Europe declined that. Now, why would they do that? They have something against Israel. I think that there's some deeper reasons there, but it all is based in Ezekiel chapter 38 and chapter 39. Now, I'm not going to go through those two chapters. You can do that yourself. But if you start taking the ancient biblical regions of Magog, Put, Cush, Beth Togarma, Gomer, all of those places, you can map them out clearly where they are today. All you have to do is a little bit of research. And like I said, most of them point to this idea of Russia, Iran, which is Persia, and also Turkey, which is Armenia or Beththagarma or Gomer. some people they have some difficulty with which one it is, but it really doesn 't matter to us. We just know that those areas are involved. Now, prior to uh, the establishment of the nation of Israel, or right when they became established, these countries were friends of Israel. Israel, the citizens there, used to vacation in Turkey. And now they are not welcome in Turkey. Uh, I think that uh, Erdogan in Turkey, he wants to become the next or he wants to establish the next caliphate. You know, he wants to be this leader over the Muslim world. And and he doesn't like his feathers to be ruffled uh, too much. He is a member of NATO. But he threatened to pull out of NATO because he is offended that the United States is talking about an Armenian genocide that took place 106 years ago. And the United States keeps focusing on that. And he goes, why are you guys doing that? I'm going to pull. I'm going to take my toys and go home and get out of NATO, which I think they eventually will. I think they'll leave NATO and they'll lean more towards Russia, which it's right next to them. And so they will be involved along with Iran, who has always made their intentions clear. They want to destroy Israel. Now, Israel has been conducting military exercises out in the Mediterranean Sea, and those exercises are focused on going into Iran and destroying their nuclear program because Iran says as soon as we get one, we're launching it, we're taking it into Israel. And they just had this big exercise out there where they were... Doing refueling with the jets and everything and flying in and just wiping out Iran's military infrastructure when it concerns the. Nuclear armaments that they're trying to build. And so that's going on right now, but you really don't see that in the news, just like you don't see China going in and around Taiwan and conducting their military raids. And you're not getting the whole truth, especially from our news sources here in the United States of what's going on in Ukraine. So does this mean, as we look at Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39, and you have the battle of Gog and Magog, they'll come down from the north. And by the way, a little parenthetical thought. There is disagreement about, well, what battle is this? Is this Armageddon? Is this not? This is the battle of Gog and Magog and Armageddon. I believe there are two separate battles. One takes place at the end Armageddon, and that would be in the end of the book of Revelation. And then there's the Gog and Magog, and some information might be in that as well that points to that book of Revelation battle that takes place at the end. After a thousand years reign of Christ, there is a battle that takes place. It, it could be that. We just know that in the beginning there is going to be a battle that takes place, and it's going to take seven months for the Israelites to bury the bodies and seven years to clean up all the energy that is left behind from this particular battle. And they are going to cover the ground, these Russians and their there are hordes that are going to come in along with iran and turkey they're going to cover the ground like grasshoppers there's going to be so many of them but the lord is going to fight for israel and at that point it's either going to be a little bit before or a little bit after according to the view that we hold here at calvary chapel with a pre-tribulational rapture that the rapture of the church will take place now with putin being in russia and he's making his move west, what has to happen? Well, he has to keep on making his move west. He has to take over Crimea. He has to go north, Latvia and Estonia, and in that direction. And he could then easily come down, straight down, with the aid of Iran and Turkey. Uh, He he can just make inroads going in that direction. And if he does that, if you think he's going to do that, you go, what? Wait, why, why are you moving so swiftly? Well, the Bible talks about this, that he will go that swiftly. Now, why would he go into Ukraine? What, what is in Ukraine? It's the USSR that's true, uh, or used to be part of the USSR. And he wants to reestablish that because he's old KGB. Uh, You know, he was a murdering thug and he killed people to get to where he's going. And he did all kinds of thuggery to get in the position he is now. And he's manipulating the voting system. Imagine that, manipulating the voting system in order to get where he needs to get. But what does Ukraine actually have to offer? What is there that is so important to him? Well, they are number one in Europe in the ammonia production, which is used for refining crude oil and making heating oil, things like that. They are third in Europe in installed capacity of nuclear power plants. They are third in Europe in the rail network, its length. They are third in world production of locators and locating equipment. They are third in the world of the exportation of iron. Uh, they have the fourth largest natural gas pipeline system in the world. They are fourth in the world in the exporting turbines for nuclear power plants they're fourth in the world in manufacturing rocket launchers and they are fourth in the world in titanium exports and in exports of ores and concentrates they are eighth in the world so there there are a lot of natural resources in ukraine so that's another reason why so he has at least three reasons why he wants to go in there and take that over so he wants stuff especially gas and money that comes from gas and petroleum and we're not cutting it off we're still buying why would we do that i will get to that why we would do that now digressing a little bit we want to make sure that uh, we understand what scripture has to say about this event and many believe that we shouldn't even talk about prophecy I I like listening to a lot of different videos. I think you already know that. And a lot of videos I listen to, they come from teachers that I don't agree with on everything, but on some things that they're just so good. I I like to get their information. One of those happens to be R.C. Sproul. On so many subjects, he is so good, but I completely disagree with his Reformed theology. But he's, he's just great on some stuff. So I listen to him. I really like his teaching. He is now deceased. He's gone on to be with the Lord. And that's okay. And a few others I like to listen to, but specifically R.C. Sproul didn't believe in the rapture of the church, the millennium, all of that. No, it's, it's, we don't need to focus on that. They don't even really believe that somebody should give an altar call, that you should be asked to receive Jesus Christ just because of their theological views. And so some of the things I, I disagree with him on, but I still think that he is really good. And there are people who don't hold to what we teach here. It's not. It doesn't mean that everybody believes what we teach here. But it's what we believe the proper interpretation of scripture is, the pre-tribulational rapture. There are those who hold to the mid-tribulational rapture and post-tribulational rapture and no rapture at all. And that's okay. It's not a, it's not a separating subject that we would get involved in. But from my perspective and what we teach here, there is a pre-tribulational rapture that we are going to be dealing with. Now, with that what leads up to that it's this battle of gog and magog that's what leads up to it the rapture takes place either before middle or after that event that's why we're watching now you know that scripture in the book gospel of matthew four times he tells us to watch in matthew 24 and 25 and in luke 21 twice he tells us to watch and in mark it's either three or four times he tells us to watch and be ready Be ready for what? What is taking place in the future? And, of course, we know in the book of Daniel, in chapter 12, it says there, beginning in verse 8, I heard, but I did not understand, so I asked my Lord, what will be the outcome, or what will all the outcome of this be? He replied, and this is talking about the prophecy That would take place in the end times. He says, go your way, Daniel, because the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. So in the end times, those who are wise that have God's wisdom will be able to understand what is transpiring as far as eschatology, the study of end times is concerned. And that's what we were doing or we are doing. So the world will not understand the perspective that God has on this, but those who are believers will understand what is taking place and why it is taking place. Now, there is no leader who can guide us out of this mess that will lead uh, to the rise of the final Antichrist. There, there is no one except the final Antichrist who will arrive. And the reason I say final Antichrist is Jesus said there would be many Antichrists which would come up. But this is going to be the final Antichrist, which is going to come up. You know, the EU was completely shocked that Vladimir Putin went in to Ukraine. They were taken off guard. Biden was feckless, didn't know what to do. Just kind of like, what are you doing? And he clearly either he doesn't understand or he's being controlled by, quote unquote, his controllers. And then you have Putin, which the guy is just pure evil. There have been evil people. In history, Lenin, Mao, Marx, Hitler, all of those guys, just Pol Pot, just pure evil. And Putin is one of those people who's just pure evil. Another guy, Xi Jinping, I believe that he is evil and he is plotting. And those two countries alone, the other two superpowers, you know, if they're just let loose, the havoc that they would wreak upon the earth would just be incredible. Like I said before, the only person that seems to be uh, displaying a true heroic uh, heroic leadership is uh, Vladimir Zelensky. That, that guy, he's inspiring. Yeah. And you know, he was a comedian. He was a comedian and he appeared on, and he I think he won, the equivalent of Dancing with the Stars in Ukraine. And there's a video of him just dancing on the dance floor. And he's, he's like this He was so loved by the people that over 70%, I think 75% of the people, voted him in office. They love the guy over there. and And that's why he's being looked to as such a great leader. But nobody is really backing him up except for his own people. Now, before the Antichrist comes onto the scene there will be a conflict now the antichrist isn't really revealed to be the antichrist until he stands in the temple and declares himself to be god but will he be on the scene he will be on the scene and there are those people they speculate where's he going to come from i don't think it's putin Uh, there are some people that speculate he probably comes out of greece now, I could go in-depth in that, but I'm not going to do that right now. Uh, and you can do your own study on that. But he is going to rise somewhere. And he comes on the scene at the breaking of the first seal in the book of Revelation. That's where you have the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The first horse that comes out, it's a man riding a, a white horse, and he has a bow but no arrows, and he's bent on conquest. That is the Antichrist who comes in. And so Putin is of the spirit of Antichrist. He is bent on conquest, but I don't think he is the Antichrist, I think he will have the charisma of Zelensky and he will have the fortitude of Putin. And you put those two together, it's like he's going to be loved. He's going to be declared like the savior, but behind the scenes, he is just going to be ruthless. So the countries that are involved in this end times thing in Ezekiel chapter 38... It is going to be Israel. They're going to be attacked. You're going to have Russia, Iran, and Turkey. We have to keep our eyes on them because God said, Jesus said, watch. Watch what's going on. And Daniel tells us we will have wisdom to be able to understand what is going on. And then the Gulf states will protest. This invasion, the merchants of Tarshish, which would be the area of Gaul or you have the United Kingdom up there and its lions whelps or its uh, young lions, that could be the, even the United States, and Saudi Arabia, which is Shiben and Didan, they're going to protest. Like, what are you doing? It's kind of like what we're doing now. We're saying, why are you going in Vladimir Putin into Uh, Ukraine we're just kind of protesting we're not doing much that will be the same thing that happens when Russia and Turkey and Iran and all the people with them come down into Israel also uh, Egypt and the USA and China they're not players in this what happens to us we're not quite sure but we're not players so now this really causes you to ask the question and go back to this question Why did Putin invade and what was in it for him? Now, I've already given you three reasons. One, former USSR, he wants it back. He likes the empire. Two, they are NATO, or they want to be in NATO. And he doesn't want that to happen. The the reason he doesn't want that to happen is because, if you remember uh, John Kennedy... There was the Bay of Pigs, there was Cuba, and it was Russia who decided to put missiles in Cuba, or at least the parts that are going to assemble them in Cuba, take them over there, and what happened? There was a standoff. And it was John Kennedy, President John Kennedy, that said, this is not going to happen on my watch. There was almost a nuclear war because of this. I don't know if you guys remember getting under your desks like that. They said, well, it's for earthquakes, but no, it's really for nuclear war that could take place. I remember doing that at Rosebank Elementary School. And and so we were preparing for that at the time. And so he he wouldn't want nuclear warheads to be right on the border with Russia. It would be the same as John Kennedy saying, you're not going to put nuclear warheads down in Cuba. It's right next to the United States. It's not going to happen. So that's why Putin would say, I don't want you to be involved in NATO. NATO is sworn to defend the European continent against Russia, and we don't want nuclear warheads there. And so I could see that. And then there's the economic aspect. The guy is just sick on wealth. He he wants it. He wants the power, all of that. So those are the three reasons. And I already listed for you what Ukraine has to offer. So there's an economic benefit, and a military benefit. So that's what I've explained to you. That's why he would go in there. But there are a few other things. Like I said, there's Estonia, there's Latvia, the Ukraine. All of them, they're thinking about being part of NATO. And Putin was against that. But I also told you Putin threatened Finland and Sweden because they're on the border. So it'd be that entire western border would be against Putin. And you could see if that was happening to us, if Canada decide to bring in all the despots from around the world and point missiles at us or, like I said, from Cuba. And this was also... You can look it up. It was Yahoo News last Friday where uh, Finland and Sweden, they were uh, threatened. And I told you already about Turkey, which is threatening to leave NATO. And there's something else that uh, would draw Russia down into Israel. So let me recap before I get to the finale here. Putin goes into Ukraine. He goes into Ukraine because of three reasons, which I've already explained. NATO is there. The resources are there. Soviet Union, all of that. And then you see us doing nothing, really, of substance. We're doing the political thing but really not objecting what would cause russia and iran and turkey to come into israel now they hate israel iran obviously or shiite population muslim they hate israel turkey they're muslim as well they hate israel they're no longer friends They used to be friends, like I said, Iran used to be friends under the Shah, the Shah of Iran, who came and lived in Palm Springs. When I was living down in Palm Springs, he came down there and lived. They used to be friends, but now it's totally flipped. Back then, when they were enemies, or when they were friends, people would say, oh, they're already friends. The Bible can't be true. Well, now all of those countries have flipped, and they are all against Israel. What would be Russia's main motivation? Same motivations that they have now, but specifically oil. Now, if you look at Israel, I don't know if you have seen this, but it's a pretty well-kept secret. You can find it on the Internet, but you know the Golan Heights. Now, I've been to the Golan Heights. I went up there, uh, I think, twice. Once there was snow up there, and you could get up on it, and there's these bunkers that are up there, and you can look towards Syria on the right, and you can look towards Lebanon on the left, and Damascus just out of your view, which is in Syria where the civil war has taken place. They just found... You know, about a year or so ago, maybe two years ago. They just found this huge, massive deposit of oil in the Golan Heights. Now, the Golan Heights was taken from Syria. Syria wants it back. It is a military strategic site. It overlooks, it's a high point overlooking Israel. It's a bad place to be as far as Israel is concerned for Syria to have that. They will never Give it back now, especially since they found oil. And how much oil did they find? The normal oil field, as I was reading, it it if you dig down and you go through the rock, it's about thirty-five to forty meters thick. And that's where you go for the oil, and the oil's kinda hanging out there. The depth of the oil reserve that is below the Golan Heights is three hundred and fifty meters there is so much oil there it is just incredible and it's not really widely publicized but not only has israel become a wealthy nation nation but they can become super wealthy with all that oil that is there they can supply all of europe they could supply the united states it's just like wow this incredible amount of oil so putin or whoever is the leader of russia could say We're going for it. And that's what Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 12 says. They're coming for a spoil, which could be the oil. But it's also the wealth of the nation. They're going to come down. Turkey and Iran hate Israel. uh, Russia would love the spoil coming down in there. And so you can see the motivation. And God's saying he's going to pull them down. He's going to bring them into the battle. And that brings forward the rapture of the church and the Antichrist and the end times. That's what we're supposed to be watching for now there is a caveat with this invasion into ukraine might it turn out to be absolutely nothing absolutely so it could just fizzle it could just go away remember back in the 80s and the 90s the middle east oil crisis in the 70s it's just going on is this the end you know and it turned out to be nothing And if you combine that, the earthquakes and the volcanoes and the natural disasters and the meteors that are out there that are going to kill us, and you put all this together, you can sell a lot of books. But when it comes to what we're witnessing now, it's different. It's different because all the players are lined up, and there's now a move against the free world to get into... Israel or head in that direction or excuse me Russia to get into the free world and eventually get over to Israel and so that's what we are looking at now it says in Ezekiel chapter 38 verse 12 I'll read it to you it says I will plunder and loot and turn my hand against the resettled ruins and the people gathered from the nations rich in livestock and goods living at the center of the land and so that's referring to Russia coming down saying what they will do So we we have these things set in place. And by the way, who is in Syria right now? It is the Russians. They are in Syria. They have bases in Syria. And back in 2015, a Russian politician, Semyon Bagdasorvov, I think that's how you say his name, Uh, on russian television said that syria is the holy land of russia Uh, this is generally the holy land he explained it is for us our land because that's where their patriarchs came from is that particular area of the world so they hold it as their holy land and so they are actually occupying it there they are not going to go away until this battle uh, takes place and the lord actually deals with it so when this has all come to fruition, when we see this taking place, we reflect back on the Antichrist. He's going to rise to power during this time. And when he rises to power, we know from Revelation chapter 13 that he's going to impose an economic system on everybody. And of course, we've kind of seen that with the vaccine mandates. But I want to read to you something that just came out February 22nd. What's the date today? 27th. So this is five days ago. I'm going to read this. Now, uh, you guys maybe have heard of the World Economic Forum. It says, an international organization that works to shape global regional industrial agendas recently published its latest dystopian proposal, a far-reaching digital ID system that will collect as much data as possible on individuals, then use the data to determine their level of access to various services. This digital ID proposal is outlined in a report titled, Advancing Digital Agency the power of the data intermediaries and builds upon a digital ID framework that the WEF has published previously. Under this framework, the WEF proposes collecting data from many aspects of people's everyday lives through their devices, telecommunication networks, and third-party service providers. The WEF suggests that this data collection dragnet would allow a digital ID to scoop up data on people's Online behavior, purchase history, network usage, credit history, biometrics, names, national identity numbers, medical history, travel history, social accounts, e-government accounts, bank accounts, energy usage, health stats, education, and more. They want all this information from all of us. Once the digital ID access in this huge, highly personal data set, the W.E. proposes using it to decide whether users are allowed to own and use devices, open bank accounts, carry out online financial transactions, conduct business transactions, ask, access insurance treatment book trips, go through border control between countries or regions, access third-party services, and rely on social media logins, file taxes, vote, collect benefits, and more. That is Revelation chapter 13 spelled out for us, the W.E.F. Klaus Schwab. So all of this stuff is in the future coming our way. You see the planning of it. They are actually implementing it as far as they can but to implement it they need a crisis they need ongoing crisis as you know with this vaccine mandate and the china starting this um, covid virus that is out there it was a perfect opportunity for the government to collect all kinds of information on us without asking permission they just took it and they want to be able to do that in the future Now, again, I I believe that this invasion in Russia into Ukraine, I believe it was planned. And I believe there's a group of people that planned it. Now, I could be completely wrong on this. I just want to say it up front. Uh, Did Putin plan it? Yes, yes but also there are other elites, the leaders of the world, people who would like to have a one world government or the globalist who would plan something like this. Their goals are to reduce the prosperity of the free countries of the world and bring them into subjection to a one world form of government divided into sections or sectors. Bible talks about this, that in the end times, that's what the Antichrist will do. He'll divide up the world into sections. Now, a couple of days ago, I learned of a news report that said the U.S. had been involved in negotiations with China. Back in December, with this Ukraine thing, the United States started dealing with China. And when Biden was questioned about it just a couple of days ago, he goes, I'm not prepared to answer that. Well, what happened was the United States was trying to convince China to stop Putin or to help stop Putin from going into Ukraine. And it was leaked, quote... That what happened was we were giving our intel to China and China immediately fed it to Putin, which made us look stupid. I mean, do you really believe that China wouldn't give Putin the information? And you look at that and you go, "Why? why would they do this? Well, an article this morning that I read said it looks like, I'm going to paraphrase it, it looks like we did this on purpose. We gave information to China hoping they would give it to Putin and the information was that Ukraine was going to join NATO, which would have forced Putin's hand. Why would we do that? Why would we want the chaos? Well, if you go back to the previous administration before Trump, there was a move to have the decline of the United States take place. A, a managed decline nothing will go back the way it was you know gas prices are supposed to go north of seven dollars a gallon have you heard that all because of what's going on with russia that is quote unquote the plan and all under the guise with the wef even promoting the climate change agenda which is out there where you're going to be taken out of your cars where you're going to be involved in mass transit all of that and your income one final thing to this i have three minutes One final thing is if the SWIFT banks, you know, if if all these people involved in the banks, if they take Russia out of the equation, what do you think Russia is going to do? Just sit and take it? They're not going to take it. They're going to band together with China and with Turkey and probably Iran and try to come up with their own monetary system. When they come up with that monetary system, it will cause the dollar to drop, and I'm just being, I'm skipping a stone across the top of a lake here, so to speak. It will cause the dollar to drop. It will decrease in value. That's what the inflation is doing right now. It's decreasing uh, decreasing the value of the dollar. And all the money that you may have or the wealth that you may have accumulated, all of a sudden you wake up one day, the dollar is worth nothing. Everything is transferred to a digital currency and you are assigned how much you will actually own. That is in the plan Of the globalists. now you decide for yourself how close is it is that where we're headed you know you you could no matter what cash you have you could wake up tomorrow and the cash could be worthless you even if you did something like radical you sold your house you put it into an rv and you had cash sitting there if it's in a bank it's going to be worthless if you try to change it into the bank if you go to the bank and say hey you know i want to exchange this for gold sorry it's worthless and so there is this move in that direction and that is all being set up according to Ezekiel and the book of Revelation. That's where we are. So my encouragement to you this morning, what are we supposed to do? Will all this really happen? I don't know. It might. Is, it, is some of this stuff on the horizon? Yes, it is. Is it possible for this to happen? Yes. Should we prepare? Yes. How should we prepare? Remember, number one, God is in control. He has granted us understanding we don't have to worry or fret. We're his. If we have to suffer, we suffer. Uh, Book of Philippians says it has been given to us as a privilege to suffer for him. If we have to, we will. Secondly, pray. Third, ask for wisdom. James 1.5 says God will not find fault if you ask for wisdom. Uh, you want to watch and prepare. Get rid of debt. Store some money outside the bank or precious metal or whatever you have. Just It doesn't have to be a lot because, you know, if this thing goes south, everything's going south. Nobody's going to have anything. And we're all going to be in the same boat if this takes place. And then, you know, store some food. You know, we recently bought a freezer and I put at least five pounds of bacon in there. You know, we want to make sure we have something. And so and if, if this is God's plan, if this is where we're headed, there is nothing we can do to stop it. You can't get involved politically or votes or whatever. It's, it's not going to matter. So I think we just need to relax. God knows. He's concerned about us. He loves us. And He remember, and remember, he has told us what is coming so we don't have to be shocked. And so if in a month from now we wake up and go, wow, it's really right here. Or in a month from now we go, wow, Putin was taken out. You know, that was one meme that I saw too. Starter pack for a hero. And it showed Putin and it showed a. Uh, sniper rifle and it showed several other things that were in there it's like yeah well will putin be around it doesn't matter Russia's still a player whether he is there or not so we can just kind of sit back be mindful be wise be watchful but know the lord has a plan and that's why we want to keep tabs on what's taking place let's pray father we we thank you that You have given us understanding. You have told us in advance. Like your word says, you don't do anything without first telling your prophets. And you have, and they have recorded it, and we have the information. I would pray, Lord, that as those who are in power seek to create chaos, I pray that we would remain calm. I pray that those who are unsure, who are out there, I pray that you would give us a chance to witness, to let them know that there is hope. I pray also, Lord, that you would give us wisdom in these days in which we live, that we may be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. With your help, we'll do it. In Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Amen. Please stand.